welcome to the Kingdom Truth Podcast. On our podcast, we teach the good news of Jesus Christ and biblical principles that empower all people with real-life, timeless applications. I am your host, Bible teacher, Yolanda Tyler. Well, praise the name of the Lord, everybody. We are excited about God's word on this day. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We pray for every listener that they will hear your word and receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. In our modern day churches, for many years now, we sing the powerful hymn entitled, I Surrender All. It's a hymn that was written by Judson Van Defender, and his inspiration for writing the song came from a time when he struggled with accepting his call to ministry. He eventually surrendered to the Lord and went into the ministry as a full-time evangelist. The theme for this sermon is living a life surrendered to Christ. I will be reading in your hearing from the New American Standard Version of the Bible, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now here's a little about the background of the book of Romans. It is the longest, most systematic and profound epistle in the New Testament. Some theologians call it the most important book in the Bible and refer to it as the constitution of the church. It was written by the apostle Paul, from Corinth. It was at the close of his third missionary journey. And the audience is the saints at Rome. So in our text, the first term, therefore, indicates transition. It's a conjunction and it just means consequently, accordingly, are these things being so. So let's take a look at our previous verses so we can understand the context of our lesson scriptures. In the book of Romans, chapter 11, verses 13 to 24, the apostle Paul singles out the Gentile Christians. He reminds them that they were not God's first choice, that the gospel message was taken to them because of Israel's disobedience and rejection of Jesus Christ. It was only because of God's grace and mercy that they, the Gentiles, were even included in God's salvation plan. And then when we get to verses 25 to 31, we understand that God's sovereign choice is Israel, the Jewish nation. And the apostle Paul makes it plain and clear that even in spite of Israel's disobedience and unbelief, that the Lord will again show them mercy and Israel will be saved. And then in the latter verses of chapter 11, the apostle Paul lifts up a praise to the Lord for his wisdom, 
greatness and his sovereign plan of salvation for everyone. And with these things being so, we come to our lesson text, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And it says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. The Apostle Paul is speaking in the first person singular pronoun. The term urge in this text is in the present active tense. In the King James Version, the word is beseech. It comes from the Greek word parakaleo, and it just means to plead, to beg another person to do something, or to call into specific action. Another layer of meaning for the term urge is that it can be used in a military sense. It denotes a leader passionately addressing troops before sending them out. The Apostle Paul is prayerfully pleading with all the saints to hear and respond to a particular request. It is not a suggestion, it's a command. If the Apostle Paul were here today speaking to us in modern day vernacular, it would go something like this. You all need to listen up. I need your undivided attention. It's time to shut everything down. Remove all distractions. Get off of social media. Turn off your cell phone, internet, the YouTube. Log off of Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and Messenger. Listen to what I'm about to say. This is not the time to tune me out. Do whatever it takes for you to stay focused on what is being said. Because... This was a very urgent call. It was a 911 request. And our first biblical principle in this lesson, to live a life surrendered to Christ, we must hear the call to surrender. We must unclog our spiritual ears and hear the truth of the word of God. In the book of Mark, chapter 8, verse 18, Jesus said to his disciples, This is in the New Living Translation. You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear? Sometimes we hear just what we want to hear. And if it sounds good and makes us feel good, we are quick to accept it as truth. And usually it's just a bunch of lies. In the New Testament, Jesus addressed this in the Synoptic Gospels, in Matthew chapter 11, verse 15, in Mark chapter 4, verse 23, and in the book of Luke chapter 14, 35, the word of God says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the same truth is repeated in the seven churches in the book of Revelation. He who has an ear, Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, in chapter 2, verse 11, in chapter 2, verse 17, chapter 2, verse 29, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 6, chapter 3, verse 13, and chapter 3, verse 22. The Lord Jesus is always speaking to us through the truth of his word. But we must open our ears to hear and be ready to respond. And you might ask, 
Bible teacher Tyler, why does this matter to me? Well, the Bible says in this passage, the Apostle Paul is addressing all the saints. Not one of us is exempt. Here's another reason why it matters to you. The Apostle Paul is making this urgent request based on God's mercies. And none of us should take that lightly. Where would we be if it had not been for God's mercy or God's compassion? The first 11 chapters of the book of Romans describes God's mercy and compassion in detail. First of all, we deserve death because we had a sin debt that we could not pay. But according to Romans chapter 1 verse 17, 326, and chapter 5 verse 19, instead we are forgiven, justified, and we're able to come in right relationship with God. We also deserve God's judgment and are so undeserving of his love for us. But according to Romans 2 verse 4, the Lord showed us his kindness and he gives us so many chances to repent and to turn from our sins. The Bible says, or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. We also deserve the wrath of God. But Romans 5, 8 says, instead, he showed his great love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It is because of the Lord's mercies that we are loved and forgiven and justified, and we have eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now let's continue. Our foundational text says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Our second biblical principle is, we must obey the call to surrender. This requires a practical response. We must do something or take action. To surrender is a spiritual calling that requires obedience. The term to present in this text is also used in the book of St. Luke, chapter 2, verse 22. It reads, And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him, that's Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Jesus was placed at God's disposal, and we too must place ourselves at the Lord's disposal. We must fully surrender and dedicate ourselves once and for all. We must be all in. The term bodies in this text comes from the Greek word soma, which simply means our whole body, our physical bodies, or our entire beings. In the Tony Evans commentary, it states, is the totality of our life and activities of which the body is the vehicle of expression. We must yield our bodies to the ownership and lordship of Jesus Christ. God is concerned about our bodies. 
Our bodies do not belong to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 to 20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought for a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Jesus Christ died and suffered a humiliating death on Calvary's cross, purchased our freedom and eternal redemption with his blood, and sent the Holy Spirit to come and abide with us and in us. We are God's holy sanctuaries, his holy dwelling places. Our bodies belong to the Lord. And some believers struggle with this. Even the apostle Paul struggled. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, the Bible says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. It takes discipline and self-control. It's a decision of the will. Our bodies do not call the shots. The body is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. And if we are not careful as believers, if we operate in the flesh and allow our bodies to master us, we will find ourselves in strip clubs, nightclubs, going on shopping sprees and overspending. We'll find ourselves going to liquor stores, getting drunk, purchasing illicit drugs, getting high, we'll find ourselves indulging in perverted sexual practices, overeating, gambling, and watching pornography. We must take responsibility and submit our bodies to the Lord's control and authority. The flesh desires to be in full control. It will always resist God's cry to surrender. Romans 7, 18 states, For I know that good does not dwell in me, that is, in my flesh. Our bodies belong to the Lord. And the Apostle Paul makes it plain and clear and describes the standard for us to present our bodies. Romans 12, 1 states, To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. The first standard is a living sacrifice. And unlike in the Old Testament, where all the sacrifices were dead, God calls us to be a living sacrifice. It's a decision. It's an act of our free will as human beings. We must place our bodies on the altar and stay on the altar. I'll never forget our pastor was preaching on this verse and he said something that is so profound and true. We get on the altar and then we slide off the altar. When the Lord begins to deal with us, we must stay on the altar. It is on the altar when we're in the Lord's presence that his holy fire begins to remove those impurities that are in our hearts. The Lord will always deal with us 
and show us something that's in our lives that we need to release to him. And I don't know about you, but it's usually in the area of relationships for me. And we must at that time, let go and let God have his way. And sometimes it is painful and the flesh will resist and kick and scream, but we can never lose when we surrender to the Lord. We must daily and completely surrender to him. We must give everything to the Lord and not hold anything back. He wants all of us. It is the wisest decision that we can make when we surrender to the ownership and lordship of Jesus Christ. Our next standard for presenting our bodies is a holy sacrifice. In the Old Testament, every sacrifice had to be holy and blameless. Leviticus chapter 110 says, If the offering is a burnt offering from the flock, from either the sheep or the goats, you are to offer a male without defect. And in the New Testament, 1 Peter 1.16 states, Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. We are holy, set apart, dedicated, sacred, and consecrated for the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God's standard for our lives. There are no negotiations or accommodations. We are also to be acceptable to God. We are to be sacrifices that are fully pleasing and acceptable to the Lord. We offer our total lives and give him all of us. We are totally yielded vessels. Romans 12.1 goes on to say, which is your spiritual service of worship. Our next biblical principle is to live a life surrendered to Christ. We must give God true worship. True worship is in our surrender. The phrase spiritual service here means that which is reasonable or the logical thing to do to offer ourselves to the Lord. Total surrender is a spiritual act of true worship. And the highest call on a believer's life is the call to worship. We were created for worship. Worship comes before service are working in the church, are even serving in ministry. In the book of St. Luke, chapter 4, verse 8, Jesus said, For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Our priestly role as believers is to live a lifestyle of worship. Psalm, chapter 96, verse 9 says, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. It is through our worship that we offer praise, adoration, and thanksgiving to the Lord. And we give God all the glory, honor, and the praises due to his name. Let's continue. In Romans 12, verse 2, the Bible says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Our fourth biblical principle is 
To live a life surrendered to Christ, we must forsake the world and everything it represents. The term conformed in this text is the same word used in the American Standard Version that says be not fashioned, which means to conform oneself or one's mind or character to another pattern. The term world means period of time, this age. Simply put, we must not fashion or pattern our thinking according to the way the world system thinks. The world system and everything it represents is ungodly, it's constantly shifting, it's unstable, unreliable, it's according to trends, current fashions, it's always changing, it's temporal, it's based on the culture around us, and it promotes sin. But we must make a decision on purpose and intentionally and decide in our hearts that we will not live according to the patterns of this present age or this present world system. And it's so sad, but it's true that many Christians are just so worldly. They blend in with the world. They look like the world, talk like the world, dress like the world, cuss like the world. And you have some believers that are straddling the fence. They have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Well, Jesus said in St. John chapter 15, 19, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We are called to live a life of holiness and separation from the world. We must remember that people are watching us. We are Christians at all times. We must abandon and forsake everything the world represents. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We are called to a higher standard of living. There should be something distinguishedly different about us as Christians. We are salt and light and called to make a difference in this world and to bring the light of Christ into the world. And instead of the church going to the world for answers, we have the answers. We are the church. We have the truth of God's word. And the world should be coming to us for the answers. Simply put, Jesus Christ is the answer for the world today. And in order to live a life surrendered to Christ, we must forsake the world and everything it represents. Our fifth biblical principle is we must allow God to change us. Our foundational text, Romans 12, 2, goes on to say, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We must have a yes in our spirits and allow God to change us. In this verse, we see a contrast from a negative statement to a positive statement. The term transformed comes from the Greek word meta and from the English word metamorphosis. It is defined in the Oxford English Dictionary as 
the action or process of changing in form, shape, or substance. Another layer of meaning is to transfigure. Jesus's form was transformed in front of his three disciples in the book of St. Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. And it reads, And after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brought them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. Christ's appearance was changed and was resplendent with divine brightness on the Mount of Transfiguration. Transformation took place, and our change will take place by the renewing of our minds. The term renew in this text just means renovation or complete change for the better. And I am reminded of the winter storm in Texas in February of 2021. And we had broken pipes everywhere. We had to leave our home for two months. But after all the renovations were done, everything was changed for the better. Everything was upgraded. We have custom cabinets and granite countertops. We have stone backsplash. We have new pipes all throughout our home. The bathrooms were redone and the Lord blessed us. When transformation of our minds take place, when we apply the truth of God's word, our minds undergo a complete renovation. And it's only the truth that has the power to bring about transformation. Our thinking is upgraded and we're held to a higher level of thinking. We've all heard it said before, sermons inspire, but truth transforms. And the greatest transformation that is needed is in the realm of the soul to include our minds. We must protect, shield, and guard our minds from all these negative influences, from the internet, from social media, because the enemy always tries to attack our minds. We must mentally surrender our minds and fill them with the truth of God's word. And we must allow the truth to grow and expand in our hearts as we apply biblical principles to our daily lives and make godly decisions. The Bible has the final say, and it is the final authority in every decision that we make. And the last part of Romans 12, verse B says, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The term prove is also used in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7, which means by testing or to examine, scrutinize, or to see whether a thing is genuine or not. The will of God is good and beneficial for all believers. It is acceptable because it's absolutely wonderful and exceedingly pleasing to the Lord. The will of God is complete and perfect in every way. And by renewing our minds, a believer can ascertain, do, and enjoy the will of God to live a life 
Surrender to Christ. We must hear the call to surrender. We must obey the call to surrender. We must give God true worship. We must forsake the world and everything it represents. And we must allow the Lord to change us. Now, here are some practical applications for our lesson. Number one, repent if there are any areas of your life that are not surrendered to the Lord Jesus. Number two, Find yourself an accountability partner, someone whom you can be transparent with and you can trust to speak into your life. Number three, take responsibility for your actions. And number four, trust God to finish the work that he has started in you. And you might ask Bible teacher Tyler, so who is this Jesus? Well, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you shall confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. So Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for salvation that's taking place all around the world. In Jesus name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Truth Podcast with Bible teacher Yolanda Tyler. Please subscribe to our podcast so you will know when the next episode is published. To hear more biblical teachings and give to support the ministry, please visit our website at www.thekingdomtruth.org. That is www.thekingdomtruth.org. God bless you until we meet again.